Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey, David. Hello, Eric. Good to see you. Good to be with you. All that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. And Eric, let's maybe do a, a recap episode today. I yeah. kind of plan out our next series. We're talking to some guests who we can have on soon, which I'm excited about. But today, you and I were talking earlier today, it might be good just to kind of summarize where we are. Maybe we'll mix in a little bit of current events and we're just going to summarize what we're all about and what we've done so far in this, in this in, podcast, yeah. I should say. In these podcasts, yeah. Maybe let's kick off just with a quick uh, market check. You brought up to me earlier today a an article about Warren Buffett. You want to walk us? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, whether you like Warren Buffett or anything else, I mean, one one thing if you look at traditionally what his Berkshire firm has been able to do is do pretty doggone good job of looking out at the market, the the macroeconomics, and and making pretty bold moves within their portfolio in anticipation of things to come. And, you know, with monotonous regularity, they've they've done a pretty good job at that. And the article that came out at the beginning of this week was that I can't remember how many billions of dollars that they liquidated in their stock investments, but it was multiples of billions, not millions, but billions of dollars that they they liquidated and and have kind of parked on side as, as dry powder in anticipation of the likelihood of a fairly substantial market drop or at least a drop in valuations, which would say that current valuations are are overpriced. Now, I mean, Berkshire has a tendency to be more invested in what I would I would call regular cash flowing company they're not a, they're not a speculator high tech generally speaking right. they're they're a lot of bread and butter types of, of of companies but needless to say that move signals their view that stocks are significantly overpriced that a correction will be coming and it probably ties in directly with one of the previous conversations that we had, David, about the recessionary risk that we alluded to in a podcast that, uh, you know, I think all indications are is even even though some may be throwing saying that it's not going to happen, uh, I think probably somebody like a Warren Buffett would say, no, it's, it's probably already here and has been. And it's just uh, the markets may not have fully baked that in and realized that. And Eric, I have on my screen now, I don't know if this is the same article you had sent me before or if it's, I'm sure there are numerous versions of this running around out there. But what I have on my screen here is from The Motley Fool, fool fool.com. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. This article from August of 2023 says Warren Buffett is sitting on a $147 billion pile of cash. 
Yeah, I, I know it was, a, it was a few billions. And here's the subtitle. Here's what he is definitely not doing with it. And when you dig into the article, what he is not doing with it is buying stocks. And in fact, as a summary key points down below from thefool.com, Berkshire's huge, Berkshire Hathaway is Warren Buffett's company. Berkshire's huge cash position shows that Buffett is probably leery of stock valuations. So I think, Eric, we put this in context of our podcast where we're talking to an audience of people who manage private companies, lower middle market companies, either invested in them, manage them, own them, some capacity, some combination of those. Now, what does this mean for us? I mean, Warren Buffett, I think he definitely has taken things private and does do things in the private market. He's yeah. also yeah. very much invested in public companies. So I think some people may say, well, that's the private, I mean, that's the public market. And I have a company with a hundred million in revenue. I'm not them. This is, this is not related to me. Often the moves that Warren Buffett makes, I think, are can be somewhat related to everyone. But this one is not, hey, he bought a railroad or he bought a this. And this, this is, he's kind of increasing his cash and exiting investments of lots of things right now. And this is more a statement about the macro economy as a whole, right? Now, certainly Warren Buffett could be wrong. You know, he can't see the future, but he has been called the Oracle of Omaha for a reason. He's been right a lot of times. And right. so we certainly want to pay attention to what he's doing, especially when it's something like this. We could be completely misinterpreting it, but it's certainly, I would say this one, a lot of the things, Eric, we bring up, different news articles, we say, hey, this doesn't mean the world's going this way, but this should be an input into your business scenario and decision-making. I'd say this is probably a large input. And <laughs> again, it's, yeah. not the, it's not the exact written in stone, here's what the future of the world is going to be, but this is one we should consider. Why in the world is one of the best investors, maybe the best investor on the planet right now, or at least in our country, piling up cash? Yeah, There's got to be yeah. a reason for this. You know, to your point, David, so what does this mean to our audience that, you know, okay, well, that's that's just way out of my my realm. I would say it, it's probably on several different fronts, and maybe you can chime in. There's there's others. But first would be, and we've been talking about this a lot, there's some headwinds in the economy. There's a lot of things in, in flux. And all things would indicate that there is a recession. We're either in it by some other people's measures or it's coming soon. And, you know, with the inverted yield curve, historically, every time that happens, there's a recession to follow. There are always different time frames, different periods after that yield curve reverts back. But when it is reverted, there is always for the last 50, 60 years, a recession that follows. Mm -hmm. So I guess most would say, probably going to happen again. You know, that that means, okay, business owners, how are we preparing for the, the possibility of that? And we've talked about that in one of the previous episodes. That, that doesn't mean necessarily that that's a bad thing for you as a business. Some businesses thrive in recessions and some just kind of steady course, but others get pretty significantly hit with that. So that's that's number one. Be prepared that the headwinds are, are out there and have been out there for quite some time. Interest rates are rising, all these other things that are putting pressures on, on businesses. Number two would be that valuations are probably too high and are not reflective fully and completely 
of what the cash flow, future cash flow implications of those economic headwinds and the macroeconomic situations that you're mentioning. And so if we are looking to either exit or we're looking at possible acquisitions to grow our businesses, we should look pretty hard at the valuations that are happening. And the expectation would be is that there's going to be pressure on those valuations. So I think those are some of the the main things, either both from an operational perspective as well as from a valuation and perhaps a transactional perspective, that I think we should at least just kind of take a pause and absorb that and and utilize that those data points when we're making decisions right now. And Eric, I think this would be a great time to kind of take what you just said and put it through the lens of all of our episodes. And I know that's, that sounds like a really big discussion, but I think we can do it rather briefly at a high level. And that is that what we've done, if you kind of go through all of our episodes, so what I recommend is first listen to all our episodes. <laughs> I think that's a, a good thing for everyone to do. But we've done this pretty purposefully in almost purposeful order. We've had some topics that didn't have to be prerequisites to other topics, but we really started off with some foundational episodes. Way back, episode one, Eric, where you covered Veritas, and then we went into strategic planning or strategic dream planning and really diving into the purpose of the organization. I think, like you said, Eric, this is a time to pause and think about why am I doing this? What is my business all about? What is the purpose of my business, right? Why do I get up in the morning and do this? And really starting to understand that you know, whatever happens going forward, I think all the things that we've talked about in our series of episodes, they still apply. And I say they apply even more. In a rising tide, we can probably show up to work, open a business that looks like it makes some money and do it only for the purpose of making money and do reasonably well for some time. As Warren Buffett, we've quoted this, this quote before, right? When, when the tide goes out, you see who's been swimming naked. And so it's only going to be the businesses that are really focused on value creation. The people who get up every morning and say, I'm waking up and I'm going to work because I'm doing something to make my community better off. I'm going to make my employees, my vendors, my customers, my, my surrounding community, I'm going to make them all better off. And that's why I'm doing this, right? It's only armed with that inspiration and motivation that you're going to get through these challenges that you're going to figure it out better than anyone else. And you're going to have a team that's just going to be so fired up to, to you know, break down any obstacle. And so I think we're going to start finding that out, Eric. If the tide goes out and looks like it's starting to go out, we're going to start yeah. finding out who's got a swimsuit on. And I don't want to laugh as I say that because I mean, it's a sad thing when businesses crumble. But I think, folks, for anyone listening, this is a really good time to reflect and and go through these episodes that we've gone through. Well, and if you look at the Buffett strategy, it's just that. It's to, in these times, to find the companies that fundamentally have sound fundamentals, so to speak, that maybe have been mismanaged or got off off course from their mission, vision, but still have the staying power and things to leverage to really help them grow. He's looking for those opportunities that, you know, occur or just because of the macroeconomic factors 
that are inherent, even the well-run companies still have to deal with those financial challenges. They make adjustments and what have you, but it still impacts the future cash flow. The macroeconomics can still hit their their future cash flows. And if, since that is the, the fundamental component or a fundamental component of the valuations, then it's naturally over time, some of those valuations are going to go down and, and you find buying opportunities. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, bad management or something like that. It can be the macros. But I think in, in our series, David, on turnarounds, we quoted that uh, pretty much 70% of fundamental business challenges are usually because of bad management. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's almost good news because it means we can do something about that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We don't have to be stuck in on a mode of, of being a bad manager. We can we, fix we can that. Do better. We can always yeah. do better. And so, Eric, just, just to kind of summarize other series that we've gone through, we went through a series on valuation, right? And I, I think we were approaching valuation in a different, and I would argue, better way than a lot of people who do traditional valuation because it's more applicable to the qualitative aspects of the business and more in line with simulating an actual what an actual buyer might pay for a business rather than just getting a piece of paper <laughs> which says business is worth X. But I think I think going through that right now is and valuations are changing. I, I know of businesses that I know right now who today have a saliently lower valuation than they did a year ago, just because they're in industries where things are changing right now. So I think going through those episodes, it's really good to start picking up why do buyers pay what they pay and how do they think about the value of a business. I think if people go listen to those episodes again, they're going to really, I think, get some good information on what steps they need to be taking to increase their valuations. Yeah. And I, sure. I'll just add one more follow-up to that. One of the things that buyers look for is they need to be able to trust the numbers of the business. And I know we had some episodes on that, really like how important it is to get the numbers right. Without getting those numbers right, a buyer is not confident they're actually getting what they think they're getting. And if that's going to be a huge hit to your valuation. So really important to have those, those numbers confident confidently laid out when you're thinking about, not when you're running a business or thinking about selling your business. It's always about, David, controlling the things that you can't control. You know, we can't control the current interest rate environment that exists. We can't control some of the macroeconomics, but we, we can control you know, how we manage some of these things, our cash flows, the quality of our financial information and other things of that nature, which all either increase or decrease the risk in the business. And the higher the the risk in the numbers, the lower the valuation, the lower the risk, the higher the valuation. It's just the simple math of how valuations work. Absolutely. And Eric, I think if I think about all the things we've done so far, maybe one area we haven't touched on yet in this conversation, I think is a very important area, is really talking about culture. And Speaking of Warren Buffett, I don't have it in front of me. I could be messing it up, but uh, I'm pretty sure he was the one who had this quote where he said, I don't invest in businesses. I invest in people. And right. So it's how important it is. And you and I have seen this so many times that there's businesses when everything textbook seems to be right, but the business still doesn't work. And it's often because of the way this business is managed, the way the owner treats the business, the way the owner 
sees the purpose of the business, the culture there. And ultimately, I'm trying to think, Eric, as a chart, if we can find a link to it, maybe we can put it in the show notes, where we've really looked at in a textbook way, this actually might be a great episode to talk about. You You can think about all the things that drive the performance of a business, income statement, balance sheet, return on assets, right? And all these things all textbook MBA style make a whole lot of sense on paper, but there's this whole other area, which is the business architecture, which is the culture, yeah. the management style, the communication style, right? These, these don't show up in a typical management textbook. They kind of do, but they don't show up in a financial statement, they, at least not directly, but indirectly, they have an enormous impact on the financial statement. And we really need to start with that, right? Because if we don't get that right, if we just chase the numbers, we're never going to get there. So I think those episodes that we did on that, I'd, I'd also recommend, of course I am going to recommend it because I recommend all of them, also going to recommend that people go check those episodes out where we talked about building culture and how important it is. I think you actually, Eric, led us on a couple of those episodes. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's like many, many moons ago when I, I got my degree in accounting, and I remember being at... Uh, a seminar and, and the, the gentleman asked, how many BS in accounting graduates do we have? And it was probably about 80% of the class. He goes, how many BAs in accounting? And it was, you know, I was one of the BAs in, in accounting. And he was saying, oh, accounting is more of, a, of an art than, than a science. And, uh-huh. and I don't agree with that specifically. But what I do agree with your point is the numbers are numbers and they're quantitative in nature and they're, they're objective, if you will. But what really drives a business are all of the subjective or qualitative aspects of the how. How is the business managed, the people, the interaction, the relationship building? You know, are you a siloed business versus a very cooperative, collaborative business architecture? How does that actually function every day that then leads to the performance that is measured by the objective numbers and that if you're just focused on the numbers, you're missing 90% because the, the, the life of the company and, and its ability to grow and expand is really built around the culture. So and that's common. Some people, it's counterintuitive. For me, because I got a BA in accounting, it's, it's intuitive for me. I don't think we can emphasize that one enough. Well, Eric, let's tie this all together here as we wrap up. You know, what are we leaving folks with? Is that Warren Buffett's parking cash not buying at least as much stock. It's net selling more than buying right now. We should take that into our decision-making and realize that he sees something and he's doing some, for some reason, he's reacting to it. Let's let's watch and continue to watch what's going on. And also let's go purposefully into the future. Let's not go, let's not be blindsided by the future. And how can we do that? We can do that by watching, by re-listening to all the episodes of the Emerge Dynamics podcast, of course. But even in this episode, I hope folks, we've touched on at least some of the highlights that might cue you to go go re-listen to maybe even specific topics or series that we've talked about. Right. Things you want to beef up on, remind yourself of as you plan out this rest of 2023. As, as we know, there's just some wildly different ways the rest of this year could unfurl. And we want to be ready for no matter what happens. Amen. All right, folks, we'll, we'll wrap here and we'll see you next time. 